Welcome to CCC Talks, empowering IT and business professionals in their digital transformation journey. Find all the latest tips, tricks, and strategies at our blog and resource center at cloudcredential.org. And now our host, CCC Managing Director, Mark O'Laughlin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of CCC Talks with Mark O'Laughlin and the Cloud Credential Council. Now, today, we're joined by Caroline Goulart, who is CEO and co-founder at Datavise. And at Datavise, you make the invisible visible, especially through uh, data visualizations. And Caroline, I know you help organizations focus on a thing called human data interactions. We'll talk more about HDI in a moment, but Caroline, first of all, thank you for joining us on CCC Talks. And Caroline, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Hello, hello everyone. Yes, so I'm working at Datavise. I'm doing a lot of data visualization and my job is to create new ways for our human brains to understand data in the best way, in the easiest way than looking at uh, numbers and numbers and numbers or lines and lines and lines and, and, and tables. So at the very beginning, uh, I started as a journalist. I studied journalism and I started working as a data journalist. So I was investigating in massive data sets, some interesting information for the general public. Yeah. And doing that, I finally, um, what was the most interesting for me was the data visualization part of this job. So looking how to create something visual to make people understand a very complex amount of data. Yeah. And with my uh, partners, we started working doing data visualization for media at the beginning and after that for companies. And we just started DataVise like this, just doing data visualization for people who needed that. Uh, and it, it began a studio, a small agency. Uh, and since the last 10 years, we have been uh, doing data visualization and human data interaction projects for different kinds of companies. Very small companies, very tech companies who need a, a human approach to these very complex technologies and data set they have, or for biggest companies who have a lot of data sets and who need to work with those data sets and who need to improve the way they work with those data. Mm -hmm. So yes, that's in few words what I'm uh, doing at Database. Carolyn, I think that's a great introduction. Thank you for that. And it's like you found the ideal job, but not by looking for it, but by coming across a problem that needed to be solved, the visualization of data. And But you said complex data sets. And I like in your introduction, the way you mentioned, um, we do data visualizations for the human brain, because that's ultimately, it's trying to help us understand something complex, um, but from a maybe a visualization. We know that visually as humans, we, we, we can absorb data easier through visualization than through a lot of information. So you're kind of cutting through the information to get to that visualization of data. Um, I'm sure it's complex, I'm sure it's easy, I'm sure it's a bit of both, we'll come to that. Um, but starting off, you, you know, you make um, 
the invisible visible, and you use the phrase data visualizations. Tell us a little bit about, in your world, what a data visualization is. Yeah, so data visualization is a visual translation of the information contained in a big data set, or small mm -hmm. data set, but if it's small, it, we don't really need data visualization. Yeah. The point is, if you have to read a very big num big amount of numbers of big amount of data you can't really read it as if you were reading words um, because you can't memorize all the numbers and your brain is not good at all at to, to do that because you are not a computer computers are very good at that but humans not so you need another way to uh, translate this information in a way your brain uh, is easy with so visual visualization is uh, translating the same information that you can find in the data set, but in a, in a visual way for you to be able to understand it without um, listing all the numbers or without describing each information point by point. The example I often give is um, a map, uh, for example, mm. a Google map or just a map of your, uh, a very precise printed map. Yes. Um, if you have to trans to, to tell the same information with words and sentence um, for you to be able to get your your way uh, into a city, it's gonna take I don't know books and books and books and you can cover the the floor with <laughs> I don't know how many books to just give the same amount of information as you can find in uh, the visual representation that is a map. And uh, it's exactly the same for all the visualization we are working with. Yeah. Map is a kind of visualization. It's the idea that sometime um, you can express a lot more information when representing it visually than with other kind of uh, um, uh, way to express the information. Um, so it's just exploiting our visual ability to understand, to, 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 keep a, a, a lot of information uh, and it's very important nowadays because uh, we are in a world where there is this information overload, this uh, concept that uh, we are yeah. uh, overwhelmed yeah. by a lot of information, a lot of data, and it's uh, more and more accurate than now that we are uh, surrounded by uh, systems uh, determined by algorithm and who are using data uh, to work. So it's very important that you don't feel you are surrounded by black boxes with a lot of systems you don't understand. And that's why uh, we are very passionate about what we do because we think it's very important for humans to have this ability to understand the world around them. And yeah. uh, for that, we need to uh, find a way to translate data into something that can be consumed by human brains. And this is exactly what we are working on when we are working on human data interactions. Um, it's the idea that uh, using visualizations, but not only visualization, we will give human the ability to better understand this kind of information, which at the beginning was um, that data and data sets uh, is a way to communicate for computers. It's a way to encode information for computers or for uh, programs or algorithm. It's not a way to encode information for humans. So we need to translate it into a way that is suitable for humans. 
so visualization is um, part of the solution, but uh, we are also working on lots of different levers. Uh, for example, we can use also sound, sound sonification. Data sonification is also something quite new, but uh, we have been mm. experimenting. Everything related to your to your um, um, sense and feelings can be used, uh, but also interactions uh, because um, we really believe that uh, you understand better when you are in an active position, when you test and experiment and try by yourself and you move a cursor and you click on a map and you see the difference and, and um, being active is also a way to better understand information when it's complex and you don't have to understand exactly each part of an algorithm if you understand that if you move this this way it's gonna uh, have this yeah. result and you yes. can feel how it works without being able to describe it so yes there are visualization and, and, and interactivity and lots of different uh, tricks we can use to try to translate this data into something we can we can uh, understand we'll ask you about those tricks in a moment i think you have some really good key uh, points made there. First of all, you're in the mapping business. It's like digital cartography. There was a time to understand the world. We had to map the world. Yeah, that was part of the great age of exploration, but now we're exploring data and what people do. Um, so I think that's interesting. It's uh, digital cartography. You also mentioned there that data and data sets are in effect designed for machines to understand and compute. And machines understand and compute differently to the human brain. So there's no point putting a data set up on a screen for a human to look at. They won't get it. So your job is now a cartographer, but also a translator, translating complex human machine data into something that's understandable, then into something of information for the human consumption. So then it's also what is the uh, representation of that data in human consumption form. And we know we're visual. We tend to understand more, as you said, by looking at a map rather than reading what does the map of Europe or what does the map of the USA or what does the map of Asia look like? I mean, you said if you're to read that, we could be reading till next week and still not understand it. We look at a map and a map gives you a lot of information gives you uh, countries, location, distances, mountain ranges, uh, everything that, that's included in the map, which is really good. I think that's, that's, that's interesting. I think that's starting to explore for us the idea of, um, I guess, the HDI, human data interactions. We'll come on back on that in a moment. Um, so probably want to look at the human side then of looking in at a HDI interaction, you know. So you're finding better ways to represent data, machine data, uh, complex data, and we're now producing more than we've ever produced before. But how do you go about finding structure within all this unstructure? And how do you conceptualize visualizing that before you go and, and, and do it? Is there a process you have? Yes, sure. Um, as any translation work, you need to have in mind the final public, the reception, yeah. uh, because 
if you are translating something for a young kid, you will not translate it in the same language than if you are translating something for an expert. It's exactly the same with data. You need to know your final audience and to find the best way for them to bring information that is useful for them. Because yeah. we have been talking about the idea of understanding this complex um, uh, data, but also something we are working a lot on is making those data um, useful uh, because we are surrounded with too much information and we are not journalists at the end so sometimes we are working for the beauty of the information to reveal something that would have remained uh, um, hidden otherwise but yeah. most part of the time we are working on helping people uh, use some complex information to better make the job or to take better decisions or to um, improve some process. So the, the idea is we are already surrounded by very interesting information. So sometimes what we need is just find the right information and find what's useful in this very complex data set. And that's why it's all the more important to understand your audience. Uh, because you need to find something that will get them interested or just will help them do their job better. So <laughs> we are doing a lot of uh, user research. Um, our process are very close to a design studio, design agency. That means that uh, we are um, um, user-centric. Uh, we have processes where we um, uh, investigate a lot uh, how our users will understand the information, how they will find something into this interface, what's going to be interesting for them, what's difficult for them, and, and things like that. Yeah. So we are doing user interviews uh, and also user testing all along uh, our work. And the idea is to try to understand what they need, how they work, what they do, and understand how they behave. And after that, uh, dig into the data sets, investigate into the data, the, the data set to find something relevant for them, but with in mind uh, our final audience. Um, and to do that, uh, yes, we're doing user interviews. We try to uh, find some key points that can be interesting for them. And after that, we are looking into the data sets. How can we find something interesting in, in that? And we, after that, we most part of the time we we have some data treatment or data calculation to uh, improve our data sets formats to be able to visualize in a better way what's going to be interesting for them but um interesting in your process there you started with you know saying that we talk to the end recipient before we look at any data before we go yeah, any machine learning or anything put on that, it's we look at the final outcome or we look at the final recipient, we understand the audience, we understand what they might be looking for, we understand what they might not be looking for, but we might go look for it anyway. We understand the medium that they can consume the information once we have it, and only then do we go and start looking at the data, but only after we've done user interviews and other things as well. I'm glad to hear that because I think um, some organizations that, that we hear about have so much data and they throw an algorithm, they put an algorithm into it to try and understand it for them. 
uh, they're not very successful from from what we see because as you said they're not going to the end and working back they're just trying to make sense of unstructured data and fingers crossed that can be very expensive to do and you'll not get much out of it so that's great to hear your process starts with the human side and probably human data interactions i think is just is an even better descriptor of what you do can i ask caroline um a basic infographic we've all seen them on social media they're great boom there it goes is is that a good example of making invisible visible and understanding your audience even though it's a very basic form of information um is that a very crude or rudimentary form of what we're talking about not saying that it's it's not the complex part of it but are infographics something like that or maybe not we're not doing infographics and I, in my opinion, it's something different than data visualization. It's a different um, uh, discipline because yeah. infographic, uh, for me, it's closer to journalism because there is um, more editorialization because what you do when doing an infographics is you, you, you have your data set, you understand your data set, and you will extract few key points, few key figures, and sure. you will you will draw something around those key figures and you will illustrate these key figures. But data visualization, it's more about you have to make people able to read all the data set, not just few figures you have picked for them. Okay. Um, and that's why most part of the time data visualization, it's an interface that translates, that gives you just another way to visualize the numbers, but there is always the same amount of information. You have the same amount of information than in your initial data set. That yes. doesn't mean that you don't have to prioritize for your final audience. You won't give, in, give people every yeah. data you have and every information you have because you will overwhelm them. So you have to, in the visualization process, you have to uh, set prioritizations, uh, what's important first, and after that, second in a second time. And if you explore more, you will find some other things. And you so there is an important part of information architecture because that's important for people to be able to understand information to have an architecture that is made for them. So information architecture is very important, but at the end, the, the idea is still, I will make you able to understand the world that I set and to find something into the world that I set, even if uh, we structure the information. Whereas infographics, it's a different exercise in my opinion, because you have already made a choice. There is someone, a journalist, an editor, or someone that has already made a choice of what's interesting for you, and that will give you only what's interesting for you. So in my opinion, it's a different work. It's, a, it's like if you are writing, for example, you can make a very interesting investigation into a, a, a data set. Imagine you have a, um, a very interesting data set with uh, all the contracts of, I, I don't know who, and you can, um, you can um, uh, tell the story in different ways. You can make um, a classic article with text and the key figures in the text, and you can make an infographic with the key figures you will have extract from your investigation in the data set, or you can make a data visualization where you will just find a way to 
encode differently the data in a way that people are able to perceive what's important and to dig into and to answer all the questions they can have with this data set. So yes, I will see infographics like that. Hey, it's interesting, as you said, the demarcation where infographic you've already made up a decision or you're, where with HDI you're showing the full data set and then you prioritize that out. So that, that's a good demarcation there. Um, I like that. Um, does, I guess, HDI help us understand and segment master data at the end of the day? That's what it's doing, isn't it? So you've got this large complex data. It's helping us understand that. But in order to understand that, do you use um, digital tools such as artificial intelligence or machine learning or even algorithms, um, cloud computing or anything like that, do you use those digital technologies to help you understand what is in the data? And then do you also use those technologies to help you visualize that data? Yes, um, we use a lot of different technologies according to the project and the data. Um, a first scenario is we have unstructured data like, for example, textual text uh, words and sentence and so it's complicated to treat this unstructured data yeah. Yeah. in without reformatting it in something uh, quantitative so we can be using some um, uh, nlp uh, technologies for example even if we're not specialized in that so if it's not too complicated we can experiment and try by ourselves with some NLP algorithm. And if it needs some more expertise, we will partner with a, a startup or a, a, a actor specialized in yeah. NLP. Um, other example is sometimes we will use some um, um, artificial intelligence or um, technologies to better visualize. For example, we have this case um, where we have a um, massive data set talking about articles. So the idea was how can we visually organize those articles? It's like we had 50,000 um, um, 50, articles talking about uh, uh, COVID and um, coronaviruses. And the idea was how to make a map of these articles that will represent all the landscape of what experts are debating about coronaviruses, what people are talking about uh, coronaviruses. Um, and in this case, uh, we have a lot of information on each article, the author, but the number of words, the keywords, the date, and lots of things. And we need to find the best way to specially organize this corpus uh, to help people find patterns, to help people find articles that goes together, that go together, that are talking to the same, and to try to express the proximity between the articles. So in this case, we can use machine learning algorithm to um, reduce a lot of dimensions. For example, we can describe our articles on a thousands and thousands of dimensions, and we can use um, a machine learning algorithm to reduce this dimension into two dimension or three dimension. Sometimes we can also use um, 
machine learning algorithms to improve, to enrich our information. Um, it's the case if we make an algorithm, uh, a proximity algorithm that will uh, calculate the proximity between uh, different objects, or if we want to make some predictions, for example, if you want to better highlight the pattern by calculating prediction and visualizing those prediction to straighten the point. Um, so yes, we can use uh, different technologies and also we are using, so those are um, calculation technologies and sometimes we're also using a lot of uh, front-end technologies, drawing technologies, yes. drawing the yeah. browser. Yes. So web WebGL a lot technologies to make 3Ds in the browsers, uh, but also technologies to animate a massive amount of uh, dots or massive amount of pixels, um, technologies to yeah, calculate the uh, visual layout of, of um, a lot of information. So yes, uh, what we do at, at the, we start, we are, very user-centric company and yes. our work is really user-centric definitively but after that we are using quite complex technologies to find solutions and to implement solutions. I think you said that fantastic there we are first of all a user-led company we're focused on the user and the human side of things but obviously you do need to use technologies and it's good to hear you're using the latest types of technologies that are available um, to this. So HDI, you mentioned human data interactions, the work you're doing, looking at unstructure into structure, also looking for patterns, looking for information that we can turn into knowledge and wisdom later on. This sounds, this sounds like every organization should be investing in some form of, uh, not just analytics, they do analytics, they do big data, you know, but going the next level into human data interactions. Do you think, in your experience, um, enough organizations are actually investing in this? Or is it something that they're happy to do the data analysis, but they're not taking it to this level and they might be missing something? So are they you know, investing in it, which would be an indication that they understand and buy into it? Or is are they lagging behind? Yes. Um... We are working with companies that understand the importance of human data interactions. So, and yeah. we have been working with those kind of companies since 10 years. So yes, uh, companies are starting to understand that this is important, but um, in my opinion, not enough. Um, because I think most part of the time, companies are focusing on pipelines and data architecture. Yeah. So, building the best technical architecture for the data and sometimes without even knowing why and without even having creating usage for this data. Yeah. So the approach is often, yes, first let's structure, organize our data, have the cleanest data where as possible. And after that, we will yeah. see who's going to use it. Yes, <laughs> and yes. <laughs> but doing that, in my opinion, they are missing a lot of time and technologies are changing very quickly. So, yeah, uh, and they are, uh, they're going to be late in comparison with other companies that have already understand that the 
yeah. real value of data is in the usage uh, not in the data centers it's yeah. exactly it's it's it remind me the the sort of paradox this idea that in the uh, 19s um the idea that computers were everywhere except in productivity uh, results of the companies because people were yes they had computers in the, the in, in their office but they were not really using it in a different way to do their job they, they were not doing their job in a different way than before yes, yes. if you have a computer but you are still um asking your 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 team to write your to write your 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 letters or things like that you if it don't this doesn't change the way you work you will won't find any value at the end and it's exactly yeah. the same with the data if you don't think about how it will change the way you work and the way your company is organized and the way your company is creating values you can have the best data warehouse ever it's you it's you won't see the difference yes so yes. focusing on usage is important and that's why um human data interaction is so important because it's the key for all the people in the company being able to use data uh, at the moment the there are only few departments that can really use the the potential of these yeah. massive data companies yeah. are creating people doing analytics people doing data science and those are the, the keepers they are the only ones that can really investigate uh, data when they are they have some questions yeah in my opinion companies that uh, make the most out of their data are companies that make everyone in the company able to find an answer inside the data set companies like for example airbnb where everyone can access or amazon like everyone can access um, the data uh, and it's easy to ask question it's easy to find information you don't yeah. don't have to know how to query a data a database uh, there are a lot of tools uh, that have been made for internal use to make everyone able to understand the data set from marketing to communication to cyber to security to anyone to yeah. to uh, infrastructure and yes that's exactly where what where human data interaction needs to be inside the company in giving everyone in the company the ability to use data at the best to improve the way they work and there are quite few companies that have this ambition today, in my opinion. Um, I think that you mentioned a few things that potential, you said there's potential here. There's potential in the information, but also there's potential to change, which leads into that word transform. If you don't use the intelligent information and the human data interaction to transform, you're not doing anything differently. And that ties into this digital transformation story that's going on as well. And I think it's a key part to it because like that, if you're doing something called digital transformation, we won't go into that today. We could be here all day talking about that one. But at the crux of it, if you're not transforming what you're doing with the latest digital technologies, you're doing something else, maybe a digital acquisition, but you're not fundamental, like what you said in the office, you're not changing, which is interesting. Uh, you need to transform 
and then making data available to everybody, or not just data, but making these insights uh, available to everybody to make informed decisions. And I think that's a key thing. Another thing, I've seen a couple of things. So two, two case and points, really. First off is um, you created uh, a data visualization, human data in visualization of a blockchain. That's, it's on YouTube, so people can go look for Carolyn Gulo and go find it. But you showed the data visualization of the birth of a Bitcoin. I was, I was fascinated with it. That's why we got you on here. We saw that and went, wow, we've got to talk to Caroline. That is, I watched it a couple of times. It was so interesting. Now, is it going to change my life? I don't know. But seeing the birth of a Bitcoin represented visually, I think this is now getting interesting in what we can do with data. You've seen something being born. So people can have a look at that. But another example that I watched uh, you talk about before, which is really good, is uh, Michelin and how they're getting data from, it's, it's no different to car companies, from cars on the road, from various IoT centers communicated back. They're getting all this information piled in. But you've looked at, and, and what they want to do is find out, can we understand from all this information, uh, first of all, how the car drives, how we can improve the car. Then they go and think about how can we improve people's safety in the car, which is fantastic. They get competitive advantage from that. But they've taken it one step further, and maybe a few more steps. Can we now understand the roads that cars drive on, the conditions they're driving on? And can we improve roads? Can we identify dangerous roads? Can we go eliminate this? which brings us into the social aspect. From a company like Michelin going all the way to looking for competitive advantage, first of all, which, which, which they should do, but also now looking into how can we affect society here. Now, they may sell that information to uh, councils and to governments to go fix roads and things, or they may provide it for free. It's not, it's not the commercialization of it that's a thing. It's the fact that, this can improve society if we go looking for it or if we go just asking the question what you know thinking of the end result well if you're driving your car there's crashes why do they happen what are the conditions what was the conditions of today what was the the roads like what were the bends like were they in good repair and we can get all this information from the telemetry uh, from cars so i think you've been involved in some data visualization and human data interactions in that space which I, I think it was was fascinating. Um, any comments on, on, on that in regards to, one, the commercial side of it, but also now looking to improve society? I think that that's, that's fascinating. Yes, what's very interesting at the end, it's, it's like a, a cycle. Um, it's not only using data and data visualization to better understand the world around us. It's also using data and data visualization to document and to um, uh, add information about the world around us. Right. So um, it's it's uh, ex exactly what's interesting now with all those connected devices. It's it's you have created the connected devices for one goal and you discover that those data can also tell you a lot more about the environment, the road you are using or uh, the weather or the pollution or and so using um, 
people uses, final uses as sensors. So in the case of Michelin, it was the drivers were acting as sensors for the quality yes. of the roads. Mm -hmm. But um, if you are uh, using your uh, smartphone, you can be a sensor for air quality, for noise pollution. Uh, if you are um, uh, using a geolocalization device, you are a sensor for uh, people density. Um, and so that's also an interesting way to get people involved in this process, um, to make people understand that data is not only something we retrieve from them, something we steal from them, something that the the, the bad guys are stealing from people, yeah. personal data. It's not something that you, it's not only something you need to fear, but also something that can make, give you an active role in this uh, process to document the world thanks to data and to better understand the world uh, and our environment thanks to data, because you can yourself act as a small sensor and mutualizing the information you can share uh, you will participate to this understanding of the world thanks to our data. And that's also a nice story to tell, to give people another approach, another idea of those personal data that are too often something that people are uh, fair. And um, mm. this is also something that needs to be visualized, that needs to be uh, explained. Um, and companies at the end should work on those on those um, cycles where people are not only uh, the providers of the data and not only the consumers of the final information but also play an active role in this process yes. of collecting information using information uh, giving feedback about this information to improve the quality and so on and this is something that needs to be thought in the products now, in the new products that yeah. arrive now. I think we need to send you over to Silicon Valley and all these places where we're building these apps that uh, track data because you're quite right. People don't trust if it's just a one way all going to one company so they can sell you more. People will, I believe, absolutely buy into giving extra data if it will affect them or society or around them, or if it will fix the road down the down the road that's dangerous, and they can input into that. And secondly, so that's first of all for these organizations to can they change the story from we're collecting your data A because we want to do business with you, but B because we want to improve society and here's how it means to you. And then plugging it into local uh, initiatives. That 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 changes that trust element, which is fantastic. Secondly, People can see through visualizations what it means, you know. So I think that's um, uh, that's an amazing, amazing view to come out of. I guess the conversation today. Maybe maybe we'll influence some of those uh, large large organizations. Um, for organizations that want to get started, they're interested in this human data interaction. They they want to look beyond just the data. They want what what you're talking about, Caroline. Can you give? Uh, a few recommendations on how they should get started um, and that even if that includes calling in experts as well but how should they get started how do they need to think what one or two recommendations for them Caroline well um, I think the 
the, the final goal is to have designers and tech people and um, uh, experts of, of the industry working together to imagine how this company is going to use data to improve its its process or improve its yes. business and but this is very hard to do because usually it's it's very rare in big companies where designers and um, experts and developers are working together and if it's too hard to do you can externalize and ask studio like database where we are designers and developers and, and experts working together um, work for you and find solutions for you but i think the, the the first thing is to try to understand that user focus is very important and you need to have any your uh, decision and all your technical decision about your data you need to bring designers in and to adopt a methodology where you can make user interviews you can think about the final usage and you can prototype and test and put something in the hand of the final users and see how they work with that uh, how how they how they behave with that and try to change this uh, use yeah users are too often um, um, forgotten in the process that's good i think that's a fantastic first step because of something you mentioned earlier you mentioned earlier that so many organizations go build the great big data machine, the great analytics machine, and they don't get anything usable out of it. They've built the best, but they, because they've started look, looking at data, not looking at what you've said, going to the end, thinking about what it might do. You won't have all the answers, but thinking about what it might do, what it could do, what we probably need to look for, recognizing that we probably need some external help here as well because it's not our core but for companies like yourself uh, you you can come in and help them understand that and then go and build or modify what you have and collect it and then visualize it and do that constant learning and re in i guess reimagining the data until you see what you want to see or need to see so that, that ties back very nicely as you said, start at the end, start with the human, start with the what might we get here, blue sky thinking, and then work it back into a process. That's that's fantastic. Alan, I, I, we're up on time. I'd like to thank you, I think, for sharing um, your experience, your wisdoms, your uh, advice today. I think what I've seen in human data interactions and what you do is, to me, it's the next evolution. It's already here because you're doing it. But for a lot of companies, it's the next evolution of what they're going to do with their big data, their AI, machine learning. All that stuff is fine, but it's got to do something, and it's got to show something. And I, th I do encourage our listeners to go look at some of your uh, data visualizations. They're great. And also looking at the birth of a Bitcoin, which you have on YouTube, it's fascinating. I'm going to watch it again after this. I just think it's, 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 it's unbelievable. <laughs> to show it is really good but it shows you the power of visualization i got excited over the birth of it but that's the power of what you do so caroline goody um thank you so much for joining us on ccc talks we'll talk again soon thank you
Thank you, Caroline. Thank you for joining this episode of CCC Talks. We hope you enjoyed this episode and walk away with a ton of actionable insights. If this is your first time joining us, this is us extending a personal invitation to you to join other IT and business professionals. So please subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or Google Play. If you are struggling in any capacity in your digital transformation journey, contact us. We'd be more than happy to guide you and find you the right certification courses to help you manage the challenges modern businesses are facing. This was CCC Talks. Until next time.